Guy Clark here, welcome along to the Digest Daily here on the Football Digest podcast feed. It's our second EFL-focused pod with the early season pace setters finding their groove whilst others are still missing their rhythm. Darren's getting more than many expected out of Wednesday early on. Forrest struggling to see the wood for the trees right now and plenty, plenty more to get into. Alongside me, I have James Whaling and Connor Bromley to talk through all of the EFL-related chat about uh, James, you're joining us this week. Connor was with us last week, and of a Sheffield Wednesday perspective, it's all going quite well right now. Uh, yeah, pretty unbelievable start to the season. To be fair, given the um, the turnover in players, I think after the way last season ended, um, Darren Moore was was pretty honest in his assessment that the squad needed an, needed an overhaul, and you know what, perhaps Wednesday needed to go down um, for that to happen to get some of those. Get some of those big earners um, off the wage book that that sort of weren't pulling the weight, and um, thirteen new signings later, and I think there was um, there was a bit of a, a sort of fear that it'd take a bit of time to gel, uh, despite the the fact that obvious talent in that squad for for League One, but um, having picked up ten points from four games, not conceded a goal yet, um, seems to have a striker up at the top end of the pitch who, given the chances, is probably going to get a hat full, and um, things are as rosy as they've been for, for quite a few years at Hillsborough, which is a bizarre thing to say when the club's in the third division. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll get into a bit more of a chat on Sheffield Wednesday and League One in a bit. Connor, we'll start off in the Championship as we did in early doors. Mate, I'm going to get a dig in the ribs in there because last week you were tipping up Luton as maybe outsiders for the playoffs. Didn't go their way at the weekend, losing 5-0 at home to Birmingham. Yeah, I'm just going to double down on it, you know. <laughs> it was just a blip, a blip on the road for, for my, my Luton Town prediction. No, I, I, literally when I saw that came in, I nearly texted your guy, I was like, oh my. It's nothing worse podcasting as well. It's there for the record to see. Yes, it was a bit of an own goal. But I mean, nobody saw that coming. Like, Birmingham, I think, drew nil-nil the previous Saturday against Stoke at home. And then, you know, they go away and that, was it Chong, they've got on loan from Man United, just absolutely just tore Luton apart so yeah I don't think anyone saw that coming in my defence but yes it's looking like a weak prediction probably really brings into question my credibility as a uh, a pundit on the show <laughs> yeah no as I say it's, it's it's a long long way to go I do think Luton will recover but I don't think many sort of probably expected that from Birmingham City I suppose on the other hand James the likes of, of Fulham and West Brom in the championship I mean obviously they've come down from the Premier League and neither have lost all too many players but looks as though they're going to take some stopping those guys yeah definitely very impressive starts from both um I think out of the, the, the three sides that dropped down, I, I I personally thought them two would be would be the strongest, and I think I, I think I had West Brom in my little pre-season league winning accumulator thing that never gets anywhere near, um, simply because of the fact that you said that they they didn't lose too many players, but also they've brought in an outstanding manager uh, in in Valerie and Ishmael, someone who. Um, did wonders at Barnsley last season, you know, for him to get that squad into the top six, I, I don't think any, um, any manager, even the ones that got promoted could, um, could say that that, that was a, an achievement that surpassed that of Ishmael getting Barnsley into the top six and, and all by playing really good football as well. You know, that some people might scour at that given it's not always the easiest on the eye, but there's nothing wrong with getting the ball forward quickly as long as you're, press high up the pitch and, and you have plenty of energy which which they did and he seems to have taken that straight into the Hawthorns and yeah they look like they're going to be real difficult to stop saw them in midweek 
against Sheffield United and it was an absolute mauling. And um, I think they'll do that to a few teams, to be fair. Yeah, we had Joe Chapman on with us last week, Connor. He was telling us all about sort of the early feeling at the Hawthorns regarding Valerian Ishmael. And if it clicks, it will really click. If not, it could be sort of a, a bit of a bumpy way through the course of the season. I think it was the following day. They absolutely tore Sheffield United apart and then scored within the first minute at Ewood Park. Yeah, the, I watched the game against Sheffield United midweek and it was frightening. The, the fact that these two teams were in the Premier League last year, you would have thought there would be a similar level. you know. And I think you look at Sheffield United squad and you, you think it's a pretty strong squad. I know they've struggled so far this season. But to see them just dismantle them just so easily, it was it was frightening to be fair. And coming out of that game, I think it's you know we were saying it might not be clear last week who the the best teams necessarily are in the league. You know we're saying it could be obvious that Fulham and West Brom are the better sides, but there could be some tightness beneath them. But judging by the way that the <laughs> they're playing football at the minute, both Fulham and West Brom, you would be shocked if they aren't in the top two come the end of the season. And I think you know you saw it. At the weekend, um, West Brom with Alex Moore scored an absolute beauty, you know, a really, really top goal. And it's not long ago, he was a League One player who people were saying wasn't fulfilling his potential, but now you're going, he's one of the, the best midfielders in the championship. So West Brom really, really look on course for a strong season, as you'd expect. Like one of them teams like Norwich who and Fulham, for that matter, both of them deserve to be in that middle league between the Premier League and the Championship if there was one. Yeah, definitely. And Fulham are sort of now going about their thing with Marco Silva. It'll be interesting to, to see if that continues because from what we've seen so far in mean, English football, it has kind of been quite hot streaks to begin with and then things begin to, to fade away. So keep an eye maybe on Fulham into those autumn months, but the quality in their squad, you would you would think would see them true through the course of the campaign. At the other end of the table, James, the only team remaining pointless in the championship at the moment is Nottingham Forest. And if we were doing this podcast last year, we would have all been talking about how Sabra Damushi had almost got them into the playoffs, fell out on the final day. They were going to maybe come strong for the next season. Yet within a year, they're sort of now finding themselves down at the bottom, scrapping, and doesn't seem to be a happy place. No, I think Forest and them clubs just seem to lurch from having a really good side to a really bad side quite regularly, aren't they? Um, they're sort of the, the quintessential championship club. They've been in there for uh, however many years now without going up or down. Um, one thing I will say about their results so far this season, they've lost by the odd goal in every game, which sort of suggests to me that they're in the games and and it probably won't be too long before they start um, before they start picking up some points. But you know, losing becomes a habit as quickly as winning does. Um, I think any any club that have been in this kind of run will tell you that and. Uh, it's, it's hard to arrest that slide, even if you are losing games by the odd goal. And you'd think the way they've started, um, they're, they're probably going to be, they'll probably, um, they'll probably take fourth bottom now if you offered it. And despite the fact there was uh, there was uh, some optimism before the campaign. Yeah, definitely, because that was kind of the feeling with Chris Hutton coming in. Connor was that what he did at Brighton in particular was come in steady the ship for a side that didn't expect to be down there. And then the following season, I think they got straight into the playoffs and then the year after got automatic promotion after the missing out. But it doesn't seem as though things are quite going to plan for him there. No, they're not. And I think you look at the game next weekend against Derby, that's a huge game for both clubs, two teams. I, mean, I think Nottingham Forest probably didn't expect to be towards the bottom of the league. Derby certainly knew that this season was a case of trying to keep their head above water like it was last year. That's a big game, you know, and if, if Nottingham Forest were to lose that one, you'd think that 
certainly with the way that club's been run in the past, they've been quite trigger happy. You'd wonder if maybe they would pull the trigger. I'm not saying that would be necessarily the right decision, but you know how fickle you know football management is and in the game with players and managers. So that's a really big game. And that could be season defining for both clubs. If Derby won, um, you know, they will have had a better start of the season than most would have expected. And if Forest win, you'd think that they would probably kick on. And I don't think that they're going to be towards the playoffs come the end of the season, certainly with the way they've started. But they're certainly better than being towards the bottom in the sort of contention for relegation. So that's a big one to watch next weekend. I think um, EFL fans will definitely be keen, as I will be, to, to watch that one. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose looking at a few of the, the stats and numbers, James, it only goes to serve sort of how bonkers the championship is sort of looking at it. There's eight teams in a division after four games, none of which have, have kept a clean sheet. And I think there's a similar amount of sides in the division as well who have scored in every game as well. The championship year after year just sort of seems to serve up these these bonkers things. But as you said before about Forest, if you fall into a, a bad rut, it can be difficult to get out. Yeah, and I think I, I agree with Connor that that's uh, can it, can there be a season defining fixture on the fifth weekend of a season? I don't know if they can, but for for Forest to play Derby this early in the season, having lost all four games, it's obviously the first time um, they'll have played an East Midlands Derby with fans in the ground for for quite some time as well. Um, you know, if you if you lose five in a row and, and one of them's to a Derby side, obviously your biggest rivals who are you know the the Championship's crisis club, aren't they? And uh, you know going from disaster to disaster off the pitch, then it is hard to see to see how they turn that round. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a one to watch this weekend. Yeah, what about, Connor? a word for, for Coventry City? have started with three wins from their first four games and won again at the weekend. I don't think many would have predicted or expected them to, to really be doing all too much this season, but they might well end up being one of those clubs within sort of QPR, Cardiff and Luton, as we mentioned before, who maybe are trying to have aspirations because for the last few years, it's been the likes of Swansea, Barnsley, Bristol City, even Preston North End have kind of been in that cluster with Millwall trying to kind of get towards that top six. It feels this year as though I suppose that top half of the mid-table section are going to be a new a new sort of cluster of clubs. Yeah, I think Coventry as well have spent years um, with instability. You know, the the, the stadium situation, um, you know, they fell in the League Two because of the financial issues. But they've actually had quite a long period now of stability in the sense of had the same manager um, who's done a very good job in difficult circumstances. And for him this season to have Coventry playing at their actual stadium, um, you know, with a good number of fans as well, I think they've sold the most season tickets um, since the 60s or something. It was a, some crazy start I read the other day. So it feels like Coventry now are kind of, after years of being a team that everyone's sort of felt sorry for, they're actually kind of feeling a bit proud of themselves at the minute. And I think the fans feel like they've got something to be proud of. They've kind of been the laughing stock of football. Um, you know, with a played at six fields, I remember, you know, three, 4,000 people at Northampton years ago. And it's good for them that they're able to turn that around because, you know, it's been 2001. I think they were relegated from the Premier League and they've shown no signs of coming back, even though they spent years in the championship. And now you look at the team, you look at the manager and you say, they could be a, a sneaky content. I mean, I'll say that now, they'll probably get beat 5 0 next weekend, <laughs> like Luton did. <laughs> but you would think that they could be a sneaky contender to, to slip into the playoffs. And, you know, they've got they've got some good players now. You know, that Callum O'Hare looks a really tidy player. Uh, Martin Wycorn, of course, very experienced 
at this level. And they're two players I think most teams in this league would want. And, you know, they could be one of the reasons why Coventry do break in at the top six come the end of the season. Yeah, and no, I do think there is going to kind of be, as I say, a new kind of chasing pack towards those playoff places. And, well, the way they've started, you wouldn't put it past them. And, as you say, they've not sort of two distant memories of, of winning promotions, that group of, of players as well. Mark Robbins has kept a lot of them together. Right, let's get on into League One. And James, let's talk a bit more about Sheffield Wednesday because they were a side who ended last year very much as one of the crisis clubs in the Championship, albeit there was probably a handful of them by the end of the campaign. But Darren Moore, what a fantastic job he's done to obviously fight off COVID himself. And now he's rebuilt this squad over the summer and started like a house on fire. Yeah, look, I think um, the owner at Hillsborough, um, Dave Ponchanciri, has, has made mistake after mistake after mistake over the last few years. But one thing that he's got right and probably the most progressive thing the club have done um, for many years is appoint Darren Moore. And I'm just so glad that um, because when when Wednesday went down, there was there was a feeling that if, if Moore didn't keep him up, then he'd just sack him because that's what he does. Um, but he didn't. He kept faith with him. And... It's been a, a transformative summer. I don't think anyone could have really dreamed of um, of the changes that have gone on. Um, there was an interview with Barry Bannon um, just before players reported back for pre-season when he was basically saying it was a it was a pretty horrible place to be. Uh, he wasn't sure what the future held for him. He was keeping his options open and all that. And then fast forward a few weeks to an interview with him after the first game of the season when he was saying he's, he's never felt happier at a football club. Uh, the the wave of optimism surrounding it, the manager, the new players he's brought in, um, <clears throat> some unbelievable signings for the third division, really, and the likes of uh, Lee Gregory up front, who you know should score an absolute hatful in this league if he if he can manage to stay fit. You can already see just the intelligence of his movement in the first few games. Uh, he's only started once; he's already got two goals. Uh, Bailey Peacock firing net. Uh, unbelievable save, by the way, if you haven't seen it at the weekend from um, from a penalty that Rotherham had. He had no right to save that. Um, not conceded a goal uh, in, in five games, one one in the Cup and and four in the league. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a weird thing to say with the club in League One, but it's, it's, as, it's as positive as it's been um, for several years. Let's just... From a Wednesday point of view, hope hope they can they can keep going and, and keep that up because it's threatening to to be a really a really good season. Yeah, Connor on Darren Moore. I think a lot of people were surprised when he was sacked at West Brom when he had them in the playoffs in the championship. For me, my jaw nearly hit the deck last year when I saw he was at Doncaster and he did a brilliant job with them first half of the campaign before going to Sheffield Wednesday. It feels as though if he's actually given sort of time to actually go through a full campaign with the club. They will feel the benefit, and Sheffield Wednesday could well be in that position. Yeah, I remember Darren Moore um, from Sunderland being in the championship. Now, I apologise if you can hear my dog going absolutely bananas <laughs> in the background. There's obviously Amazon delivery man at the door. Um, no, I remember Darren Moore when he was at Doncaster in Sunderland, you know, from covering Sunderland in that time uh, when they initially fell in League One. They were always a very sturdy team, difficult to play against, very well organised, and one of them teams in League One that, while they might not win every game, but they were consistent, consistent in the fact that they were getting six, seven out of tens. It was maybe just quality letting them down in certain games. So I've always been a fan of him and I was 
expecting to be honest like James said that uh, he could have been sacked in the summer when they went down because he did have a bit of time at Sheffield Wednesday last season to turn it around obviously the, they were potentially robbed by the points deduction probably didn't deserve to go down um, in a lot of respects but he looks like he's going to do a good job there my worry for Sheffield Wednesday is very much like when Sunderland fell down at this level you know we had the best players um, comfortably the best squad biggest budget but it was when things started to tip that you didn't get a few results you wanted. Um, fans begin to get a bit antsy. There's an expectation when you're a big club like Sheffield Wednesday at this level, you know, essentially the league has Sheffield Wednesday and Sunderland, which are clear by far and away the two biggest sides in the league, which means they're basically Man United and Man City or Man United and Liverpool of that level. And if they lose two games, this crisis. You look at what's happening at Arsenal at the minute. This crisis because they've lost a couple of games in League One. It's it's the same thing when you've got these big clubs. If Sheffield Wednesday were to lose their next two games, it becomes crisis and the fans are on the back. It's whether or not you can ride them situations because you're never going to have the perfect season. You're never going to go the 46 games and win 40 of them and draw six. It's not going to happen. You're, you're going to have their moments. So that to me, that's the important thing to analyze with Sheffield Wednesday. I think going forward is how they react. To adversity because that that's how you get out of this league in League One. It's reacting to them results when you go down away from home to Morgan and you get beat one nil because they've just been time wasting. They scored a dodgy set piece goal. You couldn't get it. You know you just couldn't get it in. You hit the bar. It's how you react to that situation. So I think that's where Sheffield Wednesday will learn more about whether or not they are capable of getting out this league. Yeah, interesting. I think it'd be sort of remiss for anyone to think they're going to go the season without a blip. You know, there's there's going to be a time where they lose, where they maybe pick up one point in three games or, or something like that. And I think you're exactly right. It's it's how they react to that. One thing I would say is, you know, as a club, this is this is the third time we've dropped to this level since the turn of the millennium. Um, so it's nothing new. You know, people still think of Wednesday this grand old institution that should be at a higher level, but ultimately they're not. And there's reasons for that. And like I say, it's the third time they've been down there. They've always managed to get out within a couple of seasons. Um, this time, hopefully they can do it in one, but you have got to be wary that you mentioned someone there, a, a club of a similar size who have, who have been stuck in that league for a while. Uh, and, you know, we know very close to home, Sheffield United spent six years in that division um, before they managed to get out and then managed to manage to go up and up and, under Chris Wilder. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite ready to accept this wave of optimism is going to end anytime soon just yet. How big do you think is, is well part of that though is the signings that have been made? Because th- there are a few young lads who have come in on loan or sort of first permanent deals kind of thing. Dennis Sedeneran in midfield from Everton kind of fits that bill. But he has brought in players who know this level and know what it's about. Jack Hunt obviously returning to the club. Marvin Johnson spent time in League One as well before being at Middlesbrough. And, and Lee Gregory, as you said before, knows how to, to get goals at this level. It seems to have been very smart recruitment with a mix of players who are experienced, youthful, or even in a case of a player like Lewis Wing who's come in from Middlesbrough too, a guy who knows the level and can get you goals from midfield. Yeah, I think, and I think Darren Moore's a huge part of that. I've failed to see that we'd have managed to get these players without him and him selling the vision of the club. Obviously, the, the club being the size of it is helps. You know, I think Jack Hunt, for example, went on record to say that it was the only club that he'd have dropped to this level for. And I think probably along with Sunderland, maybe Portsmouth, that there's a sort of echelon of clubs there who 
who that would apply to. But I think as well as the as well as the players we've brought in, which have been brilliant. You know, Lewis Wing, you said there, spent spent last season on loan at Rotherham, had the opportunity to go back there, decided not to. Uh, also had offers in the championship, but decided to to come to Wednesday, and I think that was um, that was relevant for a few of the players we brought in. Um, the best business, I think, has been to tie the likes of Bannon, um, Dominic Ihorford, Josh Windass, these players to, to new contracts because, as well as all the players we released, you're suddenly thinking, wow, if if the players that you would expect to be playing at a higher level go as well, all of a sudden you've got a very threadbare squad, even with even with all the signings that have come in, but not only to keep those players, but to get them on fresh terms, which you'd hope would secure them for at least the end of the season, when hopefully they'll, they'll go, go up into the Championship anyway. But especially the likes of... Now, Windass has got an injury at the minute, but I'm watching Barry Baden playing in League One. Quite frankly, it's not fair. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he shouldn't be at that level. And, you know, every club in the Championship would have him for sure. And I'm sure there's a few at the bottom end of the Premier League that would as well. Similarly, um, Dom offer at the back, to, to have someone of his stature in that back line, as quick as he is, he heads everything, he gets in the way of everything. He he could, again, very easily play in a top six championship club for me. So to have to have those two in particular tied down with all the new signings coming in, um, as I touched on before, I don't think anyone could have dreamt of a better summer, to be fair. No, that's fine of Peacock Farrell. I offer Bannon and Gregory yeah. as strong as you're going to get, isn't it, in the in the championship? See the smile coming across your face there, James, as we even talk about it. Let's look elsewhere then in League One, though, and sort of bring the focus away from Sheffield Wednesday for a bit. Connor, we'll throw it to, to your boy Sunderland, who came back immediately with a win at the weekend after defeat midweek. Last week, you were telling us all about sort of the streakiness of, of Lee Johnson that we've seen through his managerial career, whether it be at Oldham, Barnsley, Bristol City, or even at Sunderland. So, key, I suppose, to, to get straight back into to winning ways. Yeah, actually, they played really well on Tuesday against Burton Albion. Um, pretty much just weren't clinical. That would be the only reason why that they didn't win. Burton scored a fantastic goal. It happens in this league. You lose games where maybe you shouldn't. Um, the bounce back, they weren't as good on Saturday against Wimbledon. I think Wimbledon are actually a pretty decent side. Uh, quite a free score inside as well. We, we limited them in terms of chances. They didn't really get, you know, they didn't really work. Anthony Patterson, who was making his first league start because um, Lee Burge got injured. And the goal we got was lucky. Um, but that's League One. You know, you need to, they're the games which in previous seasons, Sunderland's drawn or possibly got beat. Um, the hope is, is that we, we do manage to get them lucky goals that maybe we haven't got in the past. But it looks it looks okay at the minute. There's still need a few players. You know, I think Sunderland are probably of the the teams at the top in promotion contention. Um, Sunderland are probably the ones that need the most done to the team, just in terms of adding, you know, well, fullbacks. You know, probably need another central midfielder. Probably need another striker as well. There is there's quite a bit of do uh, for Lee Johnson from now to the end of the window. But I think, as I said last week, the one thing for Sunderland at the minute is is they're a little bit more under the radar this year. I think there's. You know, people are very much looking at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Ipswich had obviously, you know, they've had a, a huge summer of just buying everyone that could possibly buy. Um, and everyone's been focusing on them, less so on Sunderland than in previous years. And I think that's benefited us in a lot of ways because when you are the the by far the biggest fish in the league for the last two, three seasons, and then there is, you know, Sheffield Wednesday have come down, you, you maybe lose... You know, we, we are probably the joint biggest fish now. It's not quite as much of this is our big day out as it has been in years past. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. We obviously, we have a big game 
big games coming up. Actually, we've got Wickham at the weekend who are, you know, right at the top of the league. And then we've got Sheffield Wednesday, provided it doesn't get postponed for international call-ups. Um, I'm sure James will probably be able to clarify for us whether or not that's likely, uh, whether or not you've got enough international players. I think we've got a few. I'm just not sure yet because the provisional squads have came out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think these are two huge games for Sunderland. If, if you can get four points from Wickham and Sheffield Wednesday, then we're in a very good position. But it's very reasonable that we could maybe only come out with that with one, two or even zero points. It just you know, depends. There's such small margins in this league. Yeah, definitely. And it's... Interesting, isn't it, this year with League One with seven sort of former Premier League sides and immediately the eyes get drawn to those. There are only obviously six playoff places to, to play for with the top two automatic promotion ones as well. So seven into six doesn't go, but then you do have the other smart clubs in League One. Your likes of Rotherham, your likes of Wickham Wanderers, Oxford United may be there, thereabouts as to Lincoln City. So it is a fascinating division, but for, for Charlton and Ipswich in particular, James, they've not started anywhere near the pace that they would need to. Yeah, really surprised actually by both. I think the, the first game of the season, um, Wednesday played Charlton away on, on Sky, drew nil-nil and we were second best to be fair um, for the vast majority of the game. Only a couple of decent saves and um, some, some wayward finishing from Charlton saw us get a point in that game. So I, I thought they'd, they'd kick on after that. So for them to then lose their next three, I've been surprised by that because they're certainly the best side we've played um, so far, and then Ipswich as well. I think I, um, I, I actually thought they'd be our, they'd be Wednesday's biggest threats to to going up. But for whatever reason, it just just doesn't just doesn't work so far. Whether that's the turnover in players, as I alluded to with with Wednesday earlier, it could well be. But they've they've spent spent some big money for uh, on, on wages, if nothing else, for for this uh, for this level, and brought in some some really high caliber players. So. Yeah, for them to to be languishing where they are after four games is a surprise. But um, as you as you touched on there, there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of very savvy clubs in this league, and um, there are still 42 matches to play. So we probably shouldn't we probably shouldn't write them off just yet. No, definitely not a long, long way to go. Right, League Two, Connor, quickly throw over to to you on this. Forest Green Rovers, only team left with a 100% record. In the whole of the EFL, they've been going really well under Rob Edwards. And did you see the, the clip of Nigel Clough this weekend tearing into Elliot Hewitt's fullback after their defeat? And uh, yeah, I wonder what the ramifications for that for, for Mansfield may be because it started quite well, but they don't want to be sort of upset in the dressing room, I suppose. Yeah, I think on Forest Green, that they've been a club that for years seemed to have been very well run and came up the conference probably. Well, probably was four, five years ago now. It seemed to have been in League Two in a while, but the the, the club that's clearly well run clearly has a, an ethos um, in there. In six three at the weekend, uh, can't say that I've you know watched <laughs> bundles of Forest Green Rovers games because I haven't. But the fact is, is they are you know by far and away the biggest scorers in the league. Thirteen so far this season and four straight wins. It wouldn't surprise me, you know, if if they do. Um, do get up by the end of the season. Bradford City is a team I touched on last week. You know, they're the biggest team in that league by by quite a distance. And you would think they've they've had a good start the season. And if you can turn around kind of that oil tanker, which has been going backwards for a while there, you'd think they'd have a pretty pretty good chance of getting up. And the other team I'd probably look at as well at the minute, Hartlepool United, you know, just come out of the conference. Um they won a couple of games so far this season. And they're a club again that probably or a top end League Two club, you know, potentially bottom end League One, but they've had a, a pretty strong start of the season. So I've been impressed 
with them so far. Um, and touched on Mansfield Town before. Again, can't can't confess and say that I've watched a, a lot of Mansfield Town so far this season. But you know, they've they're a team that's pushing in the right direction. You know, they're, they're a team that's generally struggled towards the bottom of League Two in recent years. So it's good for them that they're looking potentially they could get into to League One in the same sense that Morecambe did last season. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, that's all we've time for here on this edition of our EFL Focus podcast here on Digest Daily. My thanks goes to James Whaling and to Connor Bromley here for joining myself, Guy Clark. We'll be back next week, of course. Until then, though, it's bye for now.